Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So today we're going to be focusing on the two guys who are either side of Jesus on the cross, two thieves. And it's probably an understatement to say that they're having a pretty bad day. They're having a really, really, really bad day. And we all know that life has good days and it has bad days. You know, one day you'll jump out of bed and you'll straight away, you'll look and you'll feel like a rock star. You know, you've got that bed hair just down when you wake up. And then you'll, you'll sing to work and everyone will sing with you, bizarrely. Uh, and everyone you meet becomes your best friend and it's exciting and it's brilliant. Stuff happens which isn't good, but you just shrug it off because you're that awesome. You know, who's having a day like that today? Someone put their hand up next to you, give them a high five. Excellent. These guys aren't having one of those days because they're the other days, aren't they? The days when you struggle to get up, you've snoozed your alarm about 12 times and you're going to be late and you're rushing. You come down, find your kids have already trashed the house and your alarm clock was the wrong time and it's really only four o'clock in the morning and you didn't need to be up anyway. And then you go to work looking and, if we're honest, feeling like an extra from The Walking Dead. Like, it's just everything doesn't go right. Every conversation is a fight and a battle. You tell your wife you love her and she thinks you're being aggressive for some reason. (laughs) And the day finishes with Ben and Jerry's on a sofa. Who's having a day like that today? Uh, If if someone next to you put their hand, just give them a little side hug. It'll get better. It'll get better. And these guys, that would be like a good day compared to what they're experiencing. They are having an absolute shocker. And now, what they really, really want is they want their bad day to stop. I mean, maybe not stop. They want their bad day to become a good day, really, because it's going to stop quite badly for them. They want their bad day to become a good day. They want their, their situation to turn around. And we know that we live in a crazy world. We know that we can't control everything, that there's going to be things that life throws at us that we just don't expect uh, and we don't like and we don't want. And and we, we understand that. Life does that to us. And while we can't control what happens outside of us, we can control how we are within those storms. We can control what happens inside of us. And that's what I want to explore today. Think about how many bad days you've had in the last month or even the last week. What if you knew a way to turn your bad days into good days? You'd want that, wouldn't you? You'd want to know what that is. You'd want to turn bad days into good days. And I want you to know today that God is an expert at turning crucifixions into resurrections. That God can take your worst and your hardest moments and use them to do the greatest things that you can imagine in your life. And I believe that Jesus wants to transform your worst days into your best days. And so to show you why I believe this, we're just going to jump straight into the Bible today. We're going to go to Luke chapter 23. If you've got a Bible, find it with me. If you haven't, 
I'd love to recommend that you download one. We've got details on the screen. YouVersion is a free Bible. Stick it on your phone, stick it on your iPad. You don't need to shell out a fortune. And if you do have it on your phone, I thought it'd be fun to stick up today's notes on YouVersion today so you can follow along everything I'm saying as we go. You just need to go to more, then click on events and you'll find Ivy Kingsway. So just click on that, you can follow as we go if that's interesting to you. Bit of a trial, never tried it before. Let me know afterwards if you think it was helpful and then I'll decide if I'm gonna do it again. That's hopefully stalled enough for you to find Luke 23, verse 32. So we're just gonna jump straight in there. Luke 23, 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Like, this is getting worse and worse and worse for Jesus. Like First, the religious leaders are making fun of him and they're mocking him. Then it's like the foreign Roman soldiers and now even criminals Criminals who have been nailed to a cross, criminals who are about to die, are mocking Jesus. Like it's just more and more increasingly degrading. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since we're under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What an incredibly fascinating exchange between three dying men. Question, what do you think Jesus means when he says to a thief on a cross, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Any ideas? Shout it out. What do you think he means by paradise? What does that word mean, paradise? Anyone? Shout. Heaven. 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 Great. Thank you, because that was exactly what I thought when I read it. I was like, oh, he's talking about heaven. That's got to be heaven, right? Let me show you something that I found really, really interesting. Jesus speaks a whole lot about heaven and I'm going to stick on the screen behind me, every single verse where Jesus talks about heaven. Let's go next screen, next screen, next screen. Great. He talks about heaven about 128 times, and he always uses the same word, the word which we use, which is heaven. Let's count how many times he says paradise. Oh, interesting, right? Once. That must be significant. The question we should be asking ourselves is, why would Jesus use that word? That's a good question. It's the right question. And I want to help us with that question today, because there's something that Jesus does 
that I think we miss because we're not from that culture. And it was a really common thing to do at that time. What they would do is they would say a word or a key phrase and it would actually be linking back to the Old Testament. It'd be linking back to a verse and they'd be referring to that whole story. But they would just say a little key phrase, like rabbis did it all the time. It's a little bit like if I was to say R-E-S-P-C-T, you would say back to me, find out what it means to me, right? You'd get that, wouldn't you? Or if I said, she's just a small town girl, you would say, some of you would say living in a lonely world, apparently. What about if I said, I got a feeling. (laughs) Great. One more. If I said, whoa, we're halfway there, you would say, Yes, like this is absolutely what Jesus is doing, (laughs) except not with music. He is, he's doing that with a verse. He is saying a bit of a verse and he knows that their heads are going to go straight back to the concept. So the question we have is what verse? What is Jesus linking us to? And the answer is in Genesis 2 verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man whom he had formed. Now that might not make any sense to you at all, but the word garden is the same word as paradise, paradisos. And the Lord God planted paradise in Eden. And there he put a man whom he formed. So let me explain this, because when I got my head around this, it it just absolutely blew me away. Our story starts in the beginning and God creates the world in six days. And at the end of the six days, he says, it is finished. And the Bible tells us that he rested in his creation. Okay, stick the next slide up, please. So God creates the world six days and then he rests in creation. Now, when the Bible says God rests in creation, it doesn't mean he sat on the sofa, stuck his feet up, put on the football, cracked open a Budweiser and chilled out. That's not what the Old Testament refers to as resting. A better understanding would be residing. It's this idea that God creates the world and then he resides. So the Sabbath is the seventh day. It's a day of rest, but it's really the day of residing. The whole idea of this is that God comes down. He has fun with his creation. He walks with his people. He enjoys it. He loves it. It's all about intimacy and relationship. That is what it means to rest in his creation. But then it all goes wrong. And Adam and Eve, they decide that they're going to try things on their own. They're going to do things their own way. And they end up having to leave the garden. And they choose brokenness. And all of a sudden, because they've turned away from God, there's this void inside them that just can't be filled. And the Old Testament is literally story after story after story of people trying to fill this void in different ways. They try and fill it with power, uh, but it goes wrong, surprisingly. They try and fill it with strength. Solomon tries to fill it with wisdom and with money, and it, it never works. They get rich, they get poor. They conquer their enemies, they're defeated by their enemies. Nothing fills the void. They try all of these religious systems. They purify themselves. They they sacrifice animals and they're still broken. 
And as you read, you're like, there has to be a solution. There has to be a fix to this brokenness. And that's when Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in as God who comes down into his creation. And then on the cross, Jesus' final words, it is finished. He's doing the rabbi thing again. On the cross, it is finished. He's referring back to Genesis when God creates the world and it is finished. And then he resides in his creation. He's saying paradise is recreated. God can once again play in his creation. God can once again be intimate. God can once again be close. Eden is back. John 14, 23, Jesus says this. If anyone, now take a moment, think about the person you like the least in the world. Who would be the person you'd least like to be sitting next to right now? Don't look at them. (laughs) Eyes forward, everyone. If you made eye contact with somebody, that's done. You can't take that back. Um, If anyone, that person, loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. First person in this story Jesus welcomes is the least likely. It's a thief on a cross. Jesus recreates Eden. He makes his paradise. But actually, Jesus says that he puts that paradise not outside of us where we can get kicked out again, not around us where we're going to mess it up. He puts it safe, he puts it secure, and he puts it inside us. That paradise we carry with us, that place where God can walk with us, where God is always close, where God is never far, where God is always intimate, where God wants to play games. He says, you carry that within you. You have that everywhere you go. I really want us to get this concept. So I'm going to explain it one more way. I saw somebody else do this and it was really helpful for me. This, if you can't see, is a pizza box. Imagine you went home and like me, you decided you didn't want to cook a full roast and you're going to get takeaway. Sounds good. You ordered a pizza. And imagine that guy turned up at your house and he didn't have a box. And he's got your pepperoni supreme pizza on his bare hands. And there's cheese running down his arms. It's messy. It's gooey. And like, I don't know where that hand has been. You know, like this is, who is this guy? You don't know. You would, you would ask the same question that I would ask. We'd all ask the same question. As soon as he arrived, you'd be like, where's the box? Dude. Where is the box? And the funny thing is, this box, I just walked in and they gave it to me for free. This box costs about 50 pence. This box is not worth a lot of money. But the value of this box doesn't come from itself. It comes from what's inside it. Do you get what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're great. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter the situations that you have. It doesn't matter if you're good looking and you look like a film star or not. What matters is what's inside the box. What matters is what you're carrying. We don't have to have life all sorted out. We don't have to get it all together. We just have to know what we're carrying. We just have to be empty and available and welcome Jesus in. And that is where we get our value from. We live in a society which just puts labels on everything. You're not just a wife. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a student. You're a carrier of Christ. 
And when you realize that you're a carrier of Christ, you can walk into any situation and you know that you can be a leader because you've got God inside you, you've got permission, you don't have to wait for it. You can change what's happening around you right now. We need to start looking at ourselves completely differently. So I want to give you today three keys that's going to help you to transform the world around you, that's going to help you to take your worst days and allow God to transform them into your greatest. Three keys this morning. The first one is I want you to get real. You might be thinking, I am real, look at me. I'm here. I want every single one of us to learn to get real, to be more authentic. You know when you're a kid, you're born, no one has to tell you to be authentic. No one has to teach you to be real. You go into a class full of four-year-olds and you say, who's the strongest in this class? Every single kid puts their hands up. It's me. Go back to the same class at seven or eight and you say, who's the strongest? And they'll be like, oh, it's Jimmy. Jimmy's the strong one. Beth, she's the, she's the clever one. Rebecca's the athlete. And, and they, you, you start looking at yourself compared to everyone else. You don't look at yourself for yourself anymore. You don't just look internally. And this increases and increases as we grow up. Like We talk about Facebook as being like unreal because we just have our Facebook profiles and we put only the best up. Let's be honest, we do that with everything in our lives. We don't want to show people the mess. We don't want to show people behind the surface. We don't want to show people what else is going on. And so what we do is we create this persona. We create this outside stuff, which isn't actually real. It isn't actually authentic. We train ourselves to not get vulnerable. We hide away because we don't want to be judged and we don't want to be shamed. We're not genuinely authentic with the internal paradise that each and every one of us is carrying. 1 John 4.11 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I pray that your experience of Jesus will change your expression of love to this world that your experience will dictate your expression. How do you know God is living in you? Because your experience will inform your expression. Loads of people say they love God, and then you look at their expression and you have to question it. You have to question it. I don't want to say, like, wear a fake smile, like, start singing, Jesus is a friend of mine. Like, we don't want that. I'm not saying pretend something's great when it's not. I'm saying be transparent. I'm saying be real and trust that God in you is going to come out of you. Do you know what? We're like tea bags. We're like tea bags. The hotter the water, the greater the infusion. What's inside of us should change the flavour of everything around us. So we want to get real. We want to be authentic. Second thing, I want you to get ready. Jesus had this incredible supernatural ability, like everywhere he went, he saw more. He saw stuff that was going on. He'd be walking along and he'd be like, hey, there's a little guy up in a tree. I need to speak to him. 
going through a crowd, oh, somebody touched me and this person needs help. And he constantly confused people because they didn't know where he was going because he was able to see things that they didn't see. There's always more happening in your life than you can see. There's always more going on behind the scenes than you realize. Are you ready for God to change things? Did you wake up today and say, today is the day when God's going to put the opportunities in my path to shift that day? Do you, do you look and spend your time looking for the opportunities or checking Facebook? Do you spend your energy trying to help change something or just wallowing in what's gone wrong? I'll tell you a story about uh, my next door neighbour. A little while ago, I was, it was a Saturday night and I was preparing my talk and I was really, really struggling. Uh, you guys bring a lot of pressure just so you know. And I was like, I couldn't find my way in the talk. I was like, this doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And it was about nine o'clock Saturday night and I was running out of time because there's a deadline on writing a talk. And there was a knock on the door and it was my next door neighbour. I'd only met once and he said, do you want to come out for a pint? I was like, mate, I haven't got time for people. I've got church tomorrow. <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, come on, it'd be great to chat. I'd love to get to know you better. And I'm like, no, I can't do it, I can't. And just as I was about to close the door, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompt me and say, no, no, you need to spend some time with this guy. I was like, oh, no, Lord, please, I can't. And um, that lovely guy, don't get me wrong. But um, I was like, oh, okay. So I went and chatted to him, and he said, what's up? You seem a little bit like stressed or whatever. And I said, oh, I'm trying to write this talk, trying to find my way. And he said, why don't you tell it to me? I thought, ooh, there's an opportunity. So I, I basically give him my whole talk. And he said, oh, that's interesting. There's some stuff to think about in there. And I was like, yeah, 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 think about in there. That sounds good. Uh, and then I said to him, I was like, why don't, this was the first time I ever preached at Kingsway, so I was genuinely nervous. I was like, why don't you come back tomorrow and you could, you could be my support? You could be the guy who I look to to give me the smile if it's all not really going right. He was like, yeah, I'll do that for you. I'll do that for you. So I was like, brilliant. He's the first guy who turns up the next day sitting right dead centre. My preach was 100% to this one guy. I was like, I'm just talking to you today, mate. At the end of the preach, I'm like, who wants to follow Jesus? His hand is the first one that goes up. We miss opportunities that knock on our doors because we're too busy. Are we ready? Are we looking for what God is already doing around us? We need to get ready. We need to get real. And we need to get urgent. We've got to get more urgent. There's two simple words that are going to ruin your life. Two words. Someday and almost. Someday and almost are swear words to me now. Do you know what? Drop the F-bomb. I don't care. Don't say someday and almost because those words literally kill people. So often it's like someday I'm going to do something about this. Someday I'm going to press into that thing that I want to be doing. I'm just in a season of like hiding right now. Like, I'm a Scorpio and I don't have to do it this month. I, I almost prayed for you this week. It's like, yeah, thanks a lot, mate. That was almost helpful. 
Like, we can't win if we don't begin. Yeah? Someday, almost, erase those from your dictionary, rip out the pages. Jesus didn't almost die for you. He didn't say, someday, I will help you. He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. What matters most isn't our environments. It isn't what's going on outside of us. It's not our emotions. It's not how we feel when we wake up. It's our urgency, seeing that our lives are bigger than what we're doing, seeing that there's more going on and that we can't waste this. We can't wait to just feel good to transform this world. We can't say, someday I'll be better. We need to get urgent and say, I'm going to get on this now. I'm going to be part of this today. If you want to turn your worst days into paradise, you need to get urgent. If you want to turn the days of people living around you into paradise, you need to be ready. You need to be real. You need to be on it. We can't hang around. I want to finish um, by looking back at those two thieves because there was two on the cross and their, their experiences, their choices lead to absolutely radically, dramatically different consequences. Like they both were crucified. They were both going through the worst days. And for one of them, that crucifixion became paradise. And for the other, that crucifixion, it, it, was, it was just a crucifixion. There was nothing more to it. You see, the first one, well, both of them, both of them were there. Both of them heard exactly the same words Jesus spoke. Both of them saw the way that Jesus reacted to the people around him. Both of them heard the crowds. And one of them turned to Jesus and he believed. And the other one, he turned away from Jesus. You may wonder why Jesus had to die on that cross. And I can tell you really, really simply, he died on that cross because of me. And he died on that cross because of you. And he died on that cross so that we wouldn't have to. He died on that cross so that we could get back to Eden that we could be back in a place where we're close to God, where that brokenness which we chase in all of these different directions, where that hole could be filled, where we could find our Father once more and enjoy everything that he has to offer us. Romans 10.10 says it like this. It says, if you believe with your hearts and you proclaim it with your lips, you will be saved. And that's what we see this thief doing. He looks at Jesus and he realizes this is real. Jesus is the real deal. And he believes. And then he speaks it out and he says, Jesus, can I be with you? And do you know what Jesus' answer to that question is every single time? It's yes. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. The answer is yes. So I want to finish today giving you an opportunity. I don't want anybody here to say, well, I almost was saved. Or, or I spent years going, someday I'll, I'll change my life. Someday I'll come back to God. Today is the day. It's just like Ali was saying, you don't know what comes around the next corner. Let's get real. 
Let's be ready and let's be urgent. And I want to ask you to be brave. And if you want to make a decision today, maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe you used to follow Jesus, but, but you've been away for a long time. If you want to make a decision today to say, I'm, I'm going to follow this, I just want you to stick your hand up right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to talk anymore about it. I just want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray with you and help you say some stuff that's going to be helpful for this. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So if you want to today say, I want to follow Jesus, then just raise your hand with me right now. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Just give you one more minute. Fantastic. Could we all stand together? Because for some of us, this will be the first time we've prayed this. And for others, we pray this every single week. And we want to pray alongside you and support you. There'll be somebody who's going to come around in a moment with a book, and that's just a gift to help you. Can we get the band up, please? Pray with me. Lord God, I thank you that you did not stay in heaven, but that you came to earth. I thank you you did not leave us broken, but you came to give us paradise. Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to follow you. I give my life to you. I want to spend eternity playing with you. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.